What's going on team? This is James from the World's Last Night. Hey guys, today we are in Genesis chapter 31 and we get a little bit of excitement today. Jacob is finally uh, fed up with his uncle Laban and all the mistreatment he's had to endure and he's going to try to steal away and uh, get out from under his thumb. If any of you have ever had a terrible employer that mistreated you constantly even though you served them faithfully... Um, you're going to really love this epic rant that Jacob goes on in this chapter. So we'll jump right in. Verse 1, chapter 31. Now Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's and has built this wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob saw from Laban's face that his attitude toward him was not the same. Okay, so there's an extreme amount of envy within Jacob or within Laban's sons towards Jacob. Now Jacob didn't steal anything, didn't steal Laban's um, wealth and instead he struck a deal that Laban had the upper hand on, but God blessed what Jacob did, multiplied it. Jacob became very independently wealthy uh, apart from Laban. So it's a it's a incorrect accusation. But it's obviously coming from a place of envy. Now, we can relate this to our modern political discussion on wealth inequality. Scripturally speaking, wealth inequality doesn't matter. It's not an evil thing for your neighbor to have more than you have. What's important is that people have their, their needs met and you know that they are reaping what they're sowing, that there's not some injustice where you know, their labor's being stolen from them or the fruits of their labor's being taken or you know, um, they, they don't have any way to make a living, you know, all that would be sinful, but wealth inequality in itself, scripturally speaking, is not a bad thing. Um, you should not be envious of what your neighbor has, even if it's more than you. So that's the sin. The sin is the envy, not necessarily the disparity between Jacob and Laban. So, Laban's face is, you know, he could see it on his face that his attitude has changed towards Jacob. Maybe he's not speaking to him as much. Maybe he's being a little passive aggressive. So verse three says, then the Lord said to him, go back to the land of your fathers and to your family and I will be with you. <clears throat> so he has a mandate now to head back to the promised land. Verse four, Jacob and Rachel and Leah called to the field. Wait, I'm sorry. He had Rachel and Leah called to the field where his flocks were. He said to them, I can see from your father's face that his attitude towards me is not the same, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked hard for your father and that he has cheated me and changed my wages 10 times, but God has not let him harm me. If he said, the spotted sheep will be your wages, then all the sheep were born spotted. If he said, the streaked sheep will be born your wages, then all the sheep were born streaked. God has taken your father's herds and given them to me. So, First off, the little, little fact there, he's had his wages changed 10 times. So it doesn't sound like Laban's been fair to him as far as paying him properly. Then secondly, he basically is saying, you know, even though he's tried to harm me, God's protected me. Had Laban a desire, had Laban said that my portion were going to be the streaked sheeps or the spotted sheeps or whatever it was going to be, God would have multiplied that type of sheep because he has favor upon me, which is true. So he says, God has taken your father's herds and given them to me. So the strong and the best ones God has given to Jacob. Jacob is the one 
tending them, doing hard work, and struck up that deal previously with Laban. So, verse 10 says, When the flocks were breeding, I saw in a dream that the streaked, spotted, and speckled males were mating with the females. In that dream, the angel of God said to me, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. And he said, Look up and see all the males that are mating with the flocks are streaked, spotted, and speckled, for I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you, you poured oil on the stone marker and made a solemn vow to me. Get up, leave this land, and return to your native land. So he sees that God is the one working out um, this prosperity for him. And then in this dream, God is calling him back to Bethel, which, remember, is the place he named where he slept and had the dream about the uh, stairwell to heaven. And he placed a stone, a marker there, poured oil on top of it, which the oil pouring that on top of it it's, just symbolizes anointing. Um, we'll talk about anointing later, what, what that's all about, but... Um, in any case, he is being called back to where his first love was. Now, this is roughly 20 years later, I do believe. Verse 14, Then Rachel and Leah answered him, Do we have any portion or inheritance in our father's household? Are we not regarded by him as outsiders? For he has sold us and has certainly spent our money. In fact, all the wealth that God has taken from our father belongs to us and to our children. So do whatever God has said to you. So Rachel and Leah have also seen the abuse of Laban, obviously, really jacked up their prospects of functioning marriage. Um, and so they're upset and they're like, yeah, Jacob, we're with you. And this is probably the first time you see these two ladies actually get along because they have a common enemy, which is their dad. So big old daddy issues going on here for them. And they're siding with Jacob and saying, yeah, let's go. So, verse 17, Then Jacob got up and put his children and wives on the camels. Now that shows that Jacob's very wealthy to have camels for all those kids and his wives. He took all the livestock and possessions he had acquired in Padam Aram, and he drove his herds to go to the land of his father Isaac in Canaan. When Laban had gone to shear his sheep, Rachel stole her father's household idols. And Jacob deceived Laban, the, Ar the Aramean, not telling him that he was fleeing. He fled with all his possessions, crossed the Euphrates, which is a river, and headed for the hill country of Gilead. Uh, so two little interesting things in there. It looks like they're, both people decided to sin in one way or the other. So Rachel steals her father's household idols. Now, there's a lot of reasons she could have done that. She could have done it because she secretly worships them herself. She could have done it because she was tired of seeing her... Oh, the idols, by the way, would be like statues of, of false gods. She could have done it because she's tired of seeing her dad worship false gods. She could have done it out of spite. She could have done it to sell them. She could have done it to keep her dad from doing the divination crap he was doing, witchcraft, in order to try to find out where they're going. Whatever. Um, not good to steal, though. Either way, should have just been upfront and honest about it. And it says Jacob deceived him not telling him that he was fleeing. Jacob works for him. So it's a lot like if you were just to not show up for work one day without, you know, telling your employer and they're expecting you. It's like you had a big meeting on behalf of your company. You're going to go make this sale. And you said, eh, I'm not going to go. I'm fleeing. I'm leaving. And I'm not even going to tell my employers. They can't even hire someone to replace me to make this deal work. When you quit a job, do it honorably. We're going to actually have a, a story about, I feel like I was in Jacob's spot here. Um, more specifically, Joseph and po Joseph and Potiphar. But um, I'll tell you a little story about jobs that I've quit <laughs> in the past uh, later, once we see Laban's response. So verse 22, 
On the third day, Laban was told that Jacob had fled, so he took his relatives with him, pursued Jacob for seven days, and overtook him at Mount Gilead. But God came to Laban the Aramean, Aramean, Aramean in a dream at night. Watch yourself, God warned him. Don't say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Huh. So Laban probably wanted to kill him and uh, at least capture him and slave him something. And God protects Jacob by rebuking Laban in a dream. Verse 25, when Laban overtook Jacob, Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban and his brothers also pitched their tents in the hill country of Gilead. Then Laban said to Jacob, what have you done? You've deceived me and taken my daughters away like prisoners of war. Why did you secretly free from me, deceive me and not tell me? I would have sent you away with joy and singing with tambourines and lyres, but you didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my daughters. Probably not true. Laban's extremely manipulative. Uh, we're going to see a big old rant from Jacob here in a second, which gives us a little insight into all the abuse he's endured. He's just trying to shame him and make him feel bad for stealing away. I've had people do that to me before. It's like, no, you're the one in the wrong, but you're trying to make me feel bad. So that's Laban is just a master manipulator. He might be a, like a, a little bit of a psychopath. Now... Yeah, I see some some of his stuff is accurate here. You didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my daughters. So, yeah, he did sort of steal away his, his family. But at the same time, Laban may have not have let them go away at all. To begin with, never know. Um, since God told Jacob, though, I'm with you, and told him to leave, Jacob could have just been honest with Laban and put his faith in God that God was going to, make him leave, let allow him to leave. Instead, he did this sort of deceptive thing and I guess honestly didn't treat Laban right, even though Laban didn't treat him right. And uh, now we got issues. So uh, let's see. Why did you secretly free from me, deceive me, not tell me? I would have sent you away of joy, blah, blah, blah. Here we go. You have acted foolishly. I could do you great harm. But last night, the God of your father said to me, watch yourself. Don't say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Now you've gone off because you long for your father. But why have you stolen my gods? So, he basically says, uh, I would have done you harm had God not intervened last night. And then he's accusing him of stealing his, his gods. Okay, this, you're going to see a lot of jokes, a few jokes in the Old Testament about people worshiping false idols. Now, you're, you're talking about, like, people had household gods. You're talking about little idols that they would put at the, you know, front of their house and... And worship them. And this is, you know, straight paganism, right? Well, how crappy is your God that someone could steal it? You know, steal him. Like, that's strange and weird. Like, what a sucky God that he can be stolen. Can be fashioned or destroyed or whatever. Like, the God we serve, the God of the universe, actually makes philosophical and logical sense. Because Spinoza had this theory on... um, uh, what do you call them? Substances. And he basically said there can't be two substances of equal, of equal substances. And he's basically, he makes an argument. He wasn't even a Christian, I don't think, but a brilliant man. He makes an argument about the fact that you really can't have a polytheistic religion. It's illogical because there's always got to be one God that's stronger, more powerful than the rest. And by definition, that would actually be God. Those other beings wouldn't be gods. They, they could be other created beings or whatever, but you can't have two quote-unquote gods because by definition, God is the most powerful and the greatest. 
So there can't be two. And polytheistic religions, ergo, all have to be false because of this. They're more like celebrities. I mean, you look at like Roman and Greek mythology and all the different um, gods that they had. They're more like celebrities. Like, hey, what's Zeus doing today? Oh, he's he's raping a mortal, you know, because he did that. They're not they're not good good gods either, really. Um, or like, what's Poseidon doing? You know, and they had these stories, and then you had the Iliad and. Different people interacted with these gods, and they're actually really fun. They're, they're modern day uh, equivalents of Greek and Roman gods would be our superheroes. And in fact, like Aquaman, for example, comes from Poseidon. Um, so a lot of our superheroes are just spinoffs and remakes of the old Roman pantheon. So that's that's definitely an aside. I'm getting off topic, but ultimately. Spinoza's argument was you could only really have one substance, one being that is the most powerful. You couldn't have two. And so that's sort of like a logical, philosophical argument against polytheism. But then, of course, like, it just sounds stupid that someone could steal a god. Okay, we'll keep going. Verse 31. Jacob answered, I was afraid for for I thought you would take your daughters from me by force. If you find your gods with anyone here... He will not live before our relatives point out anything that is yours and take it. And then it says, Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the idols. So he made a rash curse on Rebecca because I'm sorry, Rachel, because he didn't know that Rachel had stolen it. And Jacob or Jacob's a very, I guess, just man at this point in his life. He's growing up kind of like Abraham, Abraham had to grow up and uh, he doesn't want to leave on bad terms with his employer, with his uncle. And he basically says, if you find anything in my camp that's stolen from you, like, of course, that's yours. And if we catch someone that did this, the thieving, let's put him to death. Like, I'm right there with you on that. But stop accusing me of this because I didn't have anything to do with it. So, verse 33. So Laban went into Jacob's tent. Okay, and then one other thing uh, before I move on. So that rash curse he made against whoever stole this. You're going to see it happen again in the book of Judges. But in like a much worse scale and uh, we'll talk about that when we get to it but i just sort of wanted to foreshadow you're gonna see someone else make a rash curse like that unknowing and uh, it just goes to show that you really shouldn't make such such curses because pronouncements because you don't know the future you just don't so laban went into jacob's tent then leah's tent and then the tents of the two female slaves but he found nothing then he left leah's tent and entered rachel's tent Now Rachel had taken Laban's household idols, put them in the saddlebag of the camel, and sat on them. Laban searched the whole tent, but found nothing. She said to her father, Sir, don't be angry that I cannot stand up in your presence. I'm having my monthly period. So Laban searched, but could not find the household idols. So she has become just as deceptive as her dad. She, you know, probably learned that skill set, sinful skill set. And likewise from her husband, Jacob. Just a whole group of manipulators, right? And she's just jumping right in with them. And she's basically saying, hey, I, I can't get off my camel. I'm having ter- terrible cramps. So and then Laban was probably like, okay, all right, I believe you. It's a good excuse if you're going to lie. All right, verse 36. Then Jacob became incensed, which means angry, and brought charges against Laban. All right, here's his epic rant. What is my crime, he said to Laban? What is my sin that you have pursued me? You've searched all my possessions. Have you found anything of yours? 
Put it here before my relatives and yours and let them decide between the two of us. I've been with you these 20 years. So he's, he worked for him for 20 years, right? 14 of that was unpaid. Well, I guess just it was a dowry for his wives and he only wanted Rachel. Your ewes and female goats have not miscarried, which means he took care of them really well. And they have not eaten from the rams of your flock. So he didn't steal. He didn't pocket money from the counter. He didn't, um, you know, take product from the store or he didn't spend hours of his time on Facebook while his employer was paying him hourly. He basically saying, I was a righteous man. I didn't steal from you. Um, Let's see. I did not bring any of the flock torn by wild beasts. I myself bore the loss. Okay, so back then a shepherd obviously is in charge of, or herdsman's in charge of the herd. And if a wolf came and eat, ate or a lion ate one in the herd, the shepherd could then you know fight off the lion or try to bring back a piece of the torn carcass from the animal that the the wolf had eaten. And bring it to the employer and say, look, I tried, I, you know, tangled with the wolf, but I'm sorry, like I lost one of these lambs. And then it was common for that to be like an excusable. It's like, well, you tried, right? But Jacob's saying, no, I I didn't even do that. If if a a wolf ate one of your sheep under my watch, he says uh, the loss was mine. That means he paid for it out of his own wages or one of his own he replaced that with one of his own herd uh animals so okay i myself bore the loss you demanded payment from me for what was stolen by day or by night so anything that thieves stole laban demanded payment for and uh and he paid it there i was the heat consumed me by day and the frost by night and sleep fled from my eyes so he worked tirelessly through the heat through the cold He goes on to say in verse 41, For 20 years I have worked in your household, 14 years for your two daughters, and six years for your flocks. And you have changed my wages 10 times! Exclamation point. Verse 42, If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac had not been with me, certainly now you would have sent me off empty-handed. But God has seen my affliction and my hard work and has issued his verdict last night. What an epic, awesome rant. (laughs) If you're going to go out from your employer like that or from any relationship like that you better have your facts straight you better go out uh, making sure that you don't owe anything that you didn't do anything out of integrity i'm sorry without integrity you didn't steal company time you didn't steal company resources go out with a clean conscience and that's that's what jacob's doing he worked hard and he was mistreated actually mistreated so he's basically saying You would have sent me off empty-handed had God not intervened. And so he's giving glory to God, which is great. Verse 43, Then Laban answered Jacob, The daughters are my daughters, the sons my sons, and the flocks my flocks. Everything you see is mine. (laughs) What a brat. So Laban's just like, he's just, he's he's a terrible employer, terrible uncle, uh, terrible father-in-law. And uh, there's a reason, guys, that Jesus and in Genesis it says a a man leaves his father and mother is wed to his his wife and cleaves to her because there needs to be a little bit of separation between you and the in-laws you and your parents it needs to be just a little bit of you need to visit and love them and all that but don't ever put their wishes above your spouses and uh, because they can be possessive and I dated a girl whose dad once went off his rocker on me and 
he was just 100% biased and could not see anything wrong with his daughter in that scenario. Um, and they're not just, you know, they're, they, they, they can be, uh, play favoritism and all that. So make sure you have a good relationship with your in-laws and love them and treat them correctly. But if they end up acting like this Laban character, get out of Dodge, man, get some more separation between you. He says, everything you see is mine. But what can I do today for these daughters of mine or for the children they have born? Come now. Let's make a covenant, you and I. Let it be a witness between the two of us. So he's trying to make a bargain again. This guy is, he's so like slick. I mean, first he's, this is a master, masterful negotiator. He's basically saying, I own all of this. You know, this all came from me. And uh, even if it's not true, he is trying to put Jacob on edge and at a, uh, a disadvantage. So when the negotiation happens... He has a lot of leverage to bring whatever he wants up to, to bring the deal more beneficial in his, his court. So, okay, now he wants to make a covenant, and Jacob's going to do it. So, verse 45. Oh, I promised you a story. Uh, my first job out of college, I had an employer who was very shrewd, very talented, hired me to create a whole wing division of his company, hired employees. He let me hire employees and gave me a lot of free reign. And I actually, I worked very hard, uh, you know, 55, 60 hour weeks. I got paid very little for that, but I was promised profit share in the company. And he was good about doing that. I made it profitable in six months. And sure enough, he paid the profit share, but eventually just like Laban's sons, uh, he became very envious of how I spent my time on, um, Thanksgiving break, which was working on a different company. Now, interestingly enough, I mean, this is my own company. Interestingly enough, we never had a deal where I couldn't do that. And secondly, the reason I was doing it was because I was trying to make more money to be able to buy part of this company from him because he had offered that deal. So honestly, like he should just let me do it because I was going to buy in to his company because I was very dedicated and work nights and weekends and whatnot. Well, eventually he got upset about that we had a disagreement and he wanted to break our contract bend things uh illegally because we had a contract and i basically said well i guess my other option is to leave and he said yeah but he didn't he didn't think i would do that and i just said well it's good it's been good working for you and i totally walked out he ran down the hallway tried to change my mind i said no uh, i told all my employees hey i gotta go i'm leaving um, it's been great working with you and went and made my own company. He called me a few days later and he hadn't changed his mind about his, uh, his stipulations for me to stay, which were illegal and unfair based on how I treated him. And, uh, so that was it. We departed. And then later he tried, he tried to sue me and, uh, I didn't do any of the things that he said I did and the lawsuit went nowhere. So... I think I've worked for a Laban before. He was also awesome at negotiating and getting his own way. But the the thing I'm trying to get at is if you're going to do that, make sure that you actually worked harder than anyone else. You didn't steal anything. So when you leave, you have a clean conscience about it. And I feel like I know God blessed me through that. I had tons of peace about it spiritually. And in the same way, Jacob, God's blessing him. He has a lot of peace about leaving. He conferred with his wives, which was the right thing to do. Make sure that they were on board, and then he left. 
Woo! Okay, so Jacob picked out a stone and set it up as a marker. Then Jacob said to his relatives, gather stones, and they took stones and made a mound, then ate there by the mound. Laban named the mound Jagar Sahadutha, but Jacob named it Galid. All right, um, Jacob Sahadutha is Aram and Galid is Hebrew. Both names equal mound of witness. So they named it the mound of witness. Verse 48, then Laban said, this mound is a witness between me and you today. Therefore, the place was called Galid and also Mitzpah. And now Mitzpah, by the way, means uh, watchtower. It's usually a negative thing. If you're going to have Mitzpah with someone, it's because you don't trust them. And you're watching what they do. So for he said, may the Lord watch between you and me when we are out of each other's sight. If you mistreat my daughters or take other wives, though no one is with us, understand that God will be a witness between you and me. Laban also said to Jacob, Look at this mound and the marker I have set up between you and me. This mound is a witness and the marker is a witness that I will not pass beyond this mound to you. And you will not pass beyond this mound and this marker to do me harm. The God of Abraham and the God, gods of Nahor, the gods of their father, will judge between us. And Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and invited his relatives to eat a meal. So they ate a meal and spent the night on the mountain. Laban got up early in the morning, kissed his grandchildren and daughters, and blessed them. Then Laban left to return home. And that's the end of the chapter. And thank God we don't have to see Laban for the rest of the rest of the Bible. What a what a crummy character. But also he gave us a really great villain. Not gonna lie, like the past few chapters would have been kind of boring without him. And this really great chase we got his. Uh, terrible self-righteousness and the awesome rant that Jacob got to to give and then here they're they're separated I think that uh we can learn a lot from Laban's character um but at the end of the day we get to move on and even though Jacob has escaped the what seemed like perpetual slavery bond servitude to Laban, he is now going to have to go and deal with his brother Esau. And if you remember, he's headed back to the land where Esau lives, and Esau wanted to kill him when he left. Now, it's been 20 years since his mom told Jacob to leave, and he thought it would be a few, she thought it would be a few days. It's not how it ended up being. And so in the next chapter, we're going to see Jacob wrestle with an angel and talk a lot about that, because that's, that's interesting. And eventually we're going to, in 33, uh, he's going to meet Esau, chapter 33. So until then, this is James from The World's Last Night.